At the first century Jewish wedding, the groom, not the bride, was the center of attention. The groom's parents, not the bride's, were responsible for the wedding festivities. The groom and his companions would go and fetch the bride by surprise and bring her to his family's home where the religious ceremony would be held. And after a time, the wedding feast would commence. It was a matter of great honor and significance for everything to go smoothly and for all the guests to be treated with superabundance of food and beverage. So imagine the chagrin of the groom and his family if suddenly the wine gave out before the feast was over. It is at this point of impending embarrassment and imminent social disaster that Jesus and his mother enter the scene. This miracle at Cana, recorded only in the Gospel of John, comes at the wrong time in so many ways. It took place on the third day, an unmistakable pointer to the resurrection of Jesus. The village wedding feast is a foretaste of the marriage supper of the Lamb at the end of the age. It comes at the beginning of the Gospel of John. It isn't attached to any long discourse of Jesus as are the other signs in John's Gospel. Jesus himself complains that it is at the wrong time, mother. <laughs> and yet he responds to the immediate need of the community and he creates not just some wine, but the best wine, the very best wine. And he does it in abundant quantities. Plenty of wine at a first century Jewish wedding is necessary element because from the time of Moses, you see wine is the symbol of the life blood. It is blessing. A wedding with no wine is just not a wedding. But they ran out. A disaster. Jesus enters into their need and blessings flow in abundance. Our brothers and sisters in various places in the world where disaster has arrived need this wine. And so do we. This is a story about the transformation that happens when Jesus enters the story of our lives. When Jesus enters the story, there is redemption. As John seems to imply by putting this story at the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus, Jesus came to restore the joy that has gone out of life. I'll always remember visiting Port-au-Prince, Haiti and worshiping in Holy Trinity Cathedral. Up in the ceiling above the altar, in brilliant color and in Haitian primitive style, is a depiction of the miracle at Cana. The artist has added all sorts of elements from Haitian daily life, such as a man who has evidently just stolen a chicken running from uh, the uh, wedding and being chased by a local constable. The priest, the bride, and the groom seem unperturbed by all the commotion going on around them. And over to the side under the trees, a feast is waiting. The ordinary is transformed into something festive. 
That mural and that cathedral were destroyed six years ago. But the message that endured long enough for the cathedral ever to be built and the mural to be painted there will endure that tragedy and be an inspiration for generations yet unborn. I've been to the Galilean village of Cana. Married couples in our tour group renewed their wedding vows at the site revered as the place where Jesus turned the water into the wine. And we, it was a pretty ordinary kind of place and we were a pretty ordinary kind of people. But when I looked at those renewing their vows, there was something extraordinary in their eyes and in the glistening tears streaming down their cheeks. They'd been married for years, most of them, and they'd become accustomed to one another in so many ways. But in a moment, water was transformed into wine. Old married people were transformed into brides and grooms and things which had grown old were being made new. When Jesus enters the story, diversity is transformed into oneness. In the dimension of God, opposites not only attract, they're brought together in a mysterious, purposeful, loving union. In that realm, a true unity emerges out of an incredible diversity. As two people become one, so the human and the divine, the dark and the light, the good and the bad, friends and enemies, the lost and the found, the slave and the free, the Jew and the Greek, death and life are transformed when God's Messiah enters the picture. It seems the great transformation happens only in the presence of great diversity. Tomorrow is the start of the week of prayer for Christian unity, a time when we are called to pray especially for the oneness of all of Christ's followers throughout the world. That disaster that destroyed the cathedral in Haiti six years ago, the Syrian refugee crisis, acts of terrorism, and numerous natural disasters around the world have prompted an overwhelming experience of solidarity among Christians of all communions with suffering people. Differences are often dissolved in the face of disaster. It's a shame that it takes disaster to bring people together. And sadly, the hot topic of conversation at the Anglican Communion Primates meeting last week was not helping suffering people but the primate's statement scolding the Episcopal Church for our stance on inclusiveness. Their statement is a painful prelude to the week of prayer for Christian unity. Today's psalm celebrates the boundlessness of love divine. It knows no boundaries. It knows no time. It knows no space. It permeates the universe for those who turn to receive it and to accept it. The epistle today praises the way the Holy Spirit works through diversity. And the gospel shows us that the power of God is at work in the midst of life's most painful, embarrassing moments, transforming diversity into oneness. 
We don't have to be cut off from others who are different. God can unite us in the mission of love. Our presiding bishop has suggested that, that it might be our vocation to lead the Anglican Communion to that very discovery, and I pray that he's right. And finally, when Jesus enters the story, despair gives way to hope. At the wedding feast, the mysterious resources suddenly went out of the party. Bounty and scarcity were suddenly staring one another in the face. The groom and his family must have felt despair. And just as suddenly, Jesus put life into that which was lifeless, joy into that which had lost its effervescence, and all was transformed into a mysterious and wonderful hope as his glory was revealed. In the face of tragedies, people often ask, where is God? Is there any hope? They have a feeling of God forsakenness. Some people believe bad things happen because God is punishing people for something they or their ancestors have done. But whenever Jesus was confronted with that kind of thinking, he rejected it. And as Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus demonstrated that God is not there to condemn, but to heal hurts, bind up broken hearts, and comfort those who grieve. When Jesus enters the story, despair is transformed into hope. Tragedies, disasters, and disappointments of every kind are occasions for some to find fault and to place blame and to condemn. But not for us. For us, they are opportunities to respond to God who is tugging at our hearts with sacrificial, unconditional love and inviting us to work together with God and with one another to relieve the suffering so that things that were cast down are being raised up. The Chinese have a proverb. The nightingale sings not because it is happy, but because it has a song. The nightingale sings not because it is happy, but because it has a song. Christians can resonate with that idea because our hope is not based on external circumstances, but in the peace that comes from a trusting relationship with God. Hope endures even in heartbreaking situations because we are confident about God's love and convinced that life has meaning that comes from God that is not dependent upon the whims and the fluctuations in human experience and thinking. When Jesus enters the story, all our fears and all our hurts and all our difficulties are transformed in hope. And we sing, not because we're happy always, but because we have a song. We have a faith. We have a relationship with a loving God. Let me ask you something today. Do you know what it is like for Jesus to enter your story and change your water into wine? If you do, how long has it been since that happened? 
And if you don't, wouldn't you love to find out? Being a child of God is kind of like being at a wedding. Things can go wrong and often do. But when Jesus Christ enters our story, what is ordinary becomes festive. What seems to be different can be familiar. And when all seems to go wrong, there can be hope. Thanks be to God. Amen.